Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat sermon by Rabbi Adam Kligfeld. So wonderful three-word aphorism in the Talmud. Four words. O chevruta o mituta. Either you have friendship, colleagueship, people with whom you can really share your life, your anxieties, your aspirations, your challenges, or you have death. It's a stark ancient aphorism, but it's apt. And I experience that, its presence, and when I experience its absence profoundly. I don't know what I would do in my life and my work without my friends for sure, but I really don't know what I would do without my colleagues. However much everyone here thinks they know what it is to be a rabbi. You don't until you've done the job, just like I can't possibly fathom what it's actually like for you to do the work that you do. It's possible to have respect and honor and kavod for another person's chosen path, but it's other rabbis in the field who experience versions of what we go through that make that pathway more passable. And I am in treasured relationships with colleagues across the denominational spectrum, across the geographic spectrum, and we give one another support and counsel and always a listening ear. I had a conversation with a colleague this week who was going through a challenging leadership moment. When I mention the situation to you about what the moment is, you're going to have reactions to it because it's a charged issue. Some of you are gonna feel very, very strongly that the issue should have been resolved one way. Some of you are gonna feel very, very strongly that it should have been resolved the other way, I'm guessing. And I'm bringing it up not to tease you, but I'm not bringing it up for the issue itself. Not that the issue isn't worthy. There might be other moments for us to explore that. I'm bringing it up to explain the intensity of what the colleague was facing and trying to make a decision. But it's a big issue. What's the issue? The rabbi serves in a community where there's one primary kosher bakery that provides the cookies for Oneg Shabbat and the halot for shul and for the day school and for the nursery school. The, the, the obvious choice for those synagogues who want to have a kosher pastries and food at their shul. And what's the conflict? Recently, this bakery, which is owned by an Orthodox Jew, who up until this moment had lived his entire life just as a baker who happened to be an Orthodox Jew, you might see where this is going, was asked to produce a batch of cookies with rainbow sprinkles, intentionally to be used at a June pride event, a gay pride event, at one of the synagogues in the area. This is a bakery that sometimes does make rainbow sprinkle cookies anyway. There was something else about the, the request, I don't know the details, that made it clear that this baker was being asked to produce uh, cookies that would be used at a Jewish pride event that for this baker went against his understanding of Torah and his religious principles. The backlash, and this is reminiscent of the case that went to the Supreme Court recently, was intense in this Jewish community. You had, you can imagine, members of 
perhaps the more liberal communities, but not only liberal communities, saying, what a travesty. How dare someone refuse to make a cookie that has colorful sprinkles on it? And why should this person's religious convictions, however much we honor them, impinge on our ability to provide the pastries that the event want to event, want to do? And what a violation of the identity of the members of the community who are gay and lesbian, who are finding the local bakery's intolerance to be intolerable. Rabbi, boycott that bakery. Don't, why don't you make your public statement that you will never agree to allow any food from that bakery into our synagogue. Consider it treif, as unkosher as the stuff that it would have been bought from a bakery that used lard in its baking. And you had strong voices on the other side. Is a person of faith not permitted to live out his or her values and to do his or her professional life without being asked to violate them? A boycott is a very powerful instrument. This could truly injure and maybe eliminate this person's parnasa, this person's income. This person is specifically catering to the Jewish community. All the money is coming from there. It's no small thing in Jewish life and ethics and law to take someone's livelihood away from him or her. So it's one thing for our synagogue to have our open pride representation in our community and our open support and love for the gay and lesbian members of our community. But that should not lead you, Rabbi, to boycott a person who simply did not want to do as part of his own professional life something that went against his religious principle. The rabbi I was speaking to was sharing this conflict with me. And he used an interesting term. I'm not sure if this term only came from him or if this is what members of his community said to him. They said, they want me to paskin. They want me to paskin. Paskin is a Yiddish-Hebrew term. It's a Yiddishized word from the Hebrew word pasak, which means to declare law to literally to cut the law. To paskin in religious circles means to determine, is this kosher, is this treif? Can this be done on Shabbat? Can it not be done on Shabbat? And not only in ritual matters, is this decision that someone is making defensible from Jewish ethical legal principles? They want me to paskin. It's an impossible situation for this rabbi to be in. Because before he poskins, he knows that whatever he decides, whatever the answer is, and sometimes this is the cost of doing the right thing, there are going to be members of his actual community and the wider community who are going to find him to have capitulated to an extreme view of a sensitive situation and to have abandoned discretionary thinking on the issue. The word poskin is interesting because it used to be the case that when people asked their rabbi to paskin on an issue, whether it was ritual or ethical, they were actually curious about what the rabbi thought on the issue. It was not a litmus test to make sure the rabbi was or was not still in the person asking the question's worldview. The rabbi was asked a question about whether or not this is permitted or prohibited, whether this can be done or cannot be done. It was not for centuries a test whether or not that person would still warrant being the asker's rabbi given the answer. We actually want to know what is the rabbi's read of Jewish law and Jewish principles so that we can act accordingly. Oftentimes in the modern era, asking the rabbi to rule on an issue, to take a stand on an issue, 
is asking the rabbi, hoping that the rabbi agrees with the stance you would have taken on the issue, which is very different than wondering curiously, what is this rabbi's read of what Jewish law and Jewish ethics have to stay on the issue? It is different terrain than it used to be. That's challenging. Taking a stand has always been something that people of principle have been asked to do in their life and their work. And taking a stand emerges from many places in our tradition, including from Parshat Re'eh, and from a section of the Parsha that Ben already taught us about. In the opening lines of the Parsha, where God tells the Israelites that I'm placing before you a bracha, a blessing, a klala, a curse, it seems to be a very stark binary decision. This way is okay, this way is not. On that verse, the Italian commentator Rabbi Ovadia Sforno, who lived in the 1500s, basically reads that verse as God telling the Jewish people, don't be a wishy-washy people. Don't stay in the pariv lane. In fact, the Sforno says, avoid doing what his sense of what all other nations do, whether he's right or not is not the point, and of hemming and hawing, refusing to take a stand for things that matter. Jews, he says, God is saying to you that this way leads to unimaginable blessing and abundance. This way leads to curses you can't possibly fathom. Choose the right way. There is always a right way to choose. Taking a stand is the essence of being a God-fearing Jew. A couple hundred years before Sforno lived, lived a man who Sforno was very well aware of, who was both a halachist, a legalist, and a philosopher, and an ethicist, and a physician. And Ben mentioned him in his Torah as well, and that was Maimonides. The Rambam wrote thousands of pages of Jewish law telling you what is permitted and what is prohibited in a given situation. He also wrote, wrote dozens of pages, including within his law book, about the demeanor and the character with which a Jew is supposed to go, go through his or her life. And he makes it very clear, be wary and be, and be nervous and stay away from the extremes. Extremes in your character trait, extremes in your rulings, extremes in the people you identify with, extremes in your certainties, stay in the center. Maimonides says over and over again. In the laws of human dispositions, Hilchot Deot, which are the second section of his enormous code of Jewish law, he says the following. The two extremes of each trait, which are at a distance from one another, do not reflect a proper path. Don't be deluded into thinking this way or this way is the proper way you should go. It's not fitting that a man should behave in accordance with these extremes or teach them to himself. If he finds that his nature or his decision-making leads towards one of the extremes or adapts easily to it, or if he has learned one of the extremes and acts accordingly, he should bring himself back to what is proper and walk in the path of the good. This is the straight path. And finally he says, Haderech HaYishara, the proper path, benonit. It's the place that finds yourself in the middle. 
in all the ways that someone can think and be and act and believe, it's the middle that God most wants you to be on. And this is the trait which is equidistant from either of the extremes without being close to either of them. How do we correlate the Sforno reading the Torah demanding, saying that God demands of us to choose blessing and not curse every single time? And Maimonides adjuring us to be wary of those who are certain they are right, be wary of those who reduce complexities to simplicities, be wary of those who say that there's no place for a discerning, thoughtful person in the center of an issue. Rabbi Adin Steinsaltz, who was one of the great Jewish and intellectual thinkers in the last hundred years, who is singularly responsible for presenting the Talmud, our most important and very inaccessible and hard to read through text, to the highest number of Jews. He was also a philosopher in his own right. And he writes about this conflict. He doesn't mention Sforno in particular, but he writes about the conflict between those who say, have some courage, Rabbi. Have some gut. Have some strength of character to let people know what you think is right and what is wrong, on the one hand. And the Maimonidean impulse to stay away from those extremes. And he quotes the Kutzker Rebbe, who was an important Hasidic Rebbe, who was known to have the opposite temperament of the Rambam, Maimonides. By the way, we don't know exactly how Rambam acted in his own life. We know how he told other people to act, but we don't have that kind of history from 900 years ago. But how Maimonides told other people to act was to be temperate and to be in the, in the middle. The Kutzker Rebbe was famously on the edge. He was an angry rabbi. He spoke and he preached with fury. He called out injustices and prohibitions without nervousness that he was going to the extreme because he felt that that kind of passion is what God demands of a religious person. And the Kutzker Rebbe has a critique of Maimonides. Rabbi Menachem Mendel of Kutsk was asked once why he is so extreme in his views and conduct. He took the person to his window which opened to the street and explained, you see, the two sides of the road are for human beings. Only horses walk in the middle. The Kutsker Rebbe thus defined the middle way, the average between the extremes as the horse's path, the way animals walk, men and women, must choose one extreme or the other, or else they are but horses. It's a very powerful thing to reckon. You want to be a horse with, without a prefrontal cortex? Walk in the center of the extremes, and no one will expect anything else of you. You want to be a man? You want to be a woman? You want to be a human? You want to be a leader? You want to be a rabbi? You want to be a teacher? You want to be an influencer? Don't be afraid to go to the very extreme that can only be defined as the right answer in every situation. I find myself as a Jew and as a rabbi caught in this conflict all the time. Wanting to hear the Torah's wisdom and the rabbinic wisdom through the traditions telling me what is right and what is wrong in as many situations as possible. The reason why we live a religious life and a life of faith is so we have a little bit of certainty about what to do in a situation. And I want to continue to be a rabbi and a teacher and a leader 
for as wide a population of people as possible and not ruin relationships with certainty that I might have doubts about soon, as a, soon after I rule. I don't want to be a horse, but I want to be a human being who finds a way to make the right decision in the most menschlich way possible. Rabbi Steinsaltz finds a way to synthesize the Kutzker Rebbe's extremism and Maimonides' temperate nature. And what he says is the following. The golden mean, what he refers to as Maimonides' approach, is not just the average between extremes. In fact, the golden mean is the merging of extremes. It is made for people who are full of true passion and great enthusiasm, people who can take both extremes together and who therefore constitute in their soul the inner meaning, inner merging of both extremes, the golden mean. In other words, it may be that when you come across someone who to you seems frustratingly in the middle of every issue and you're quick to explain that to yourself as if the person is lacking principles, it may be that that person is awash in principles and awash in thought and seeing the wisdom of principles on both sides of an issue and is coming to a very intentional average rather than a flaccid one. A very value-based approach to a middle ground approach as opposed to one that lacks devotion and study and conviction. I think the lesson is hovering out there for both the rabbis and the teachers and the leaders and the decisors of the world and the ones who are posing the questions. If you want to be a rabbi in this world, you better be prepared to take a stand every once in a while. That's going to upset some people. But that is a true representation of your understanding of what God, Torah, and the rabbinic wisdom says is right in that situation. But do it as Maimonides would have you do it, as a mensch, and recognizing that in making such a decision, people may be hurt. And that's the beginning of your engagement with them, not the end. And if you're asking the people in authority in your lives to take a stand and to make a decision about what is or what is not, or what should or should not be, you want your leader to be a disciple of the Kutzka Rebbe, to be fiery, and to respond with decisiveness. You can expect your teacher and your leader occasionally, or even more than occasionally, to take a stand. But ask the question like a mensch. Ask the question without suggesting the question's answer determines whether this relationship continues or not whether you think the person has any ethics or not. If the questions are asked with menschlichkeit and the answers are given with menschlichkeit and the relationship begins to blossom in that moment, then Sforno's understanding of Parsha Re'eh is alive. The Kutzka Rebbe's fiery passion is alive. And we can all honor the great Maimonides hundreds of years later and find our principled way to the center of the path which is not only a place for horses, it's also a place for human beings. 
You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.